0: This is Ted, an episode of The Extra Dimension on the topic of the psychological effects of music in video games. Featuring Ian Decker from JPM.
1: You can find the show notes for this Ted at thenexus.tv slash T-E-D-2.
0: So whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away.
1: Oh, wow, okay. Uh, so, should I tell people who I am?
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they might have heard you on, the eight, on 8-bit, but this this might go out to a larger audience, so who okay. are you? Uh.
1: James Miller. Everybody calls me JPM. I'm a professor at Gustavus Adolphus College. Yeah. So what am I doing? Talk towards the mic. Where's that? Up here. Okay. It's going well so far, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, aside from my job as like a conductor or a musician, one of the things that I do here is I teach a, a J-term course, like an interim class on video games and specifically music and video games and how <clears throat> how it works and you know, we're going to talk about the psychological effects, but maybe I can get into just a little bit about, um, you know, the the concept of how music in video games either enhances the experience or sometimes detracts from the experience, uh, and then how that plays in into people's into people's minds. Um, we've talked before. You know that I I like the JRPGs, uh, the Japanese role-playing games, and I think particularly uh, music from those games culturally. Um, I think here it's more culty, but I think uh, in Japan specifically, it's, it's much more mainstream. Um, you can go to concerts and um, and hear that hear that kind of music. So I thought first we could just talk a little bit about uh, about video games and, and music and how how it works. Um, okay, if I was going to ask you name for me a genre of music where the music never stops, it has incredibly complex plots incredibly complex drama, often deals with love triangles, um, war, um, you know, one faction warring against another faction, uh, and they're very long. What genre of music would you say that is? Opera. Opera. Yeah, good. And nice job. We didn't even plan that. There was there was no rehearsal even. It was just, Ooh. that just happened.
0: I mean, we talked about it a little bit uh, the other day, and that was oh, okay. All right. how you described it. But, I mean, it, it also makes sense with what you were
1: yeah, right. <laughs> going so, I mean, my and the whole take when I when I designed this class, which is a blast, because essentially, um, you know, I get paid to play video games and talk about them with students, and we would, you know, we would we would uh, project them up and we would kind of slow things down and talk about things. Um, my whole concept of of uh, teaching this is that video games have taken the place in Generation Y, um, or Generation Z, or whatever they're calling it now. Um, they have taken the place of opera. Like, opera used to be really popular, and now it's it's completely tanking. Like, it, um, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing. The New York City Opera, which was a very famous opera company, very successful, just last year went completely bankrupt. They don't exist anymore.
2: Um,
1: you know, and a lot of the opera companies in the United States, they exist only on, like, government funding. and they, You know, they don't do very well. And I think part of it is because people, younger people, don't realize that what they experience when they're playing video games. Like, when you play Halo... Or when you play um, any of the Bethesda games, or you play some, you know, you play Mass Effect, or we're going to talk about Mass Effect um, a little bit later. Like you play those games, what you're really doing is you're participating in an opera. I mean, um, so we could talk, you know, a, a little bit through that. But like I said, you know, when you when you start a video game, the music begins right away, right, and it doesn't stop. Or if it does stop, it's for an incredibly poignant, dramatic moment, like a. Um, you can think of this is going to be older than you are, but um, for people that have played Final Fantasy VII, the the moment when Sephiroth kills Aerith, the music stops just for a moment, and then the White Materia is produced, and you know that's the whole spoiler alert there. By the way, um, if you haven't played that one. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's a very dramatic kind of, of uh, thing. And so many of the stories, like you think about um, some of the games you play, the open Skyrim, open world kinds of games. There are lots of different love interests. Um, uh, games like uh, Mass Effect, what's the, uh, Dragon Age. You know, you can get into really complex um, love relationships between the characters, and it, I mean yeah we think as the gamers that we're in control, but we're not really I mean all those decisions you know the the programmers have figured out how that's going to work, so the music really plays into um it, into those kinds of things like it when certain musical themes come in um then you're you're suddenly drawn it's like you have an emotion. why don't we start with uh, listening to something so you can get a sense Let's go to the the dragon Quest eight um, uh let's just listen to the overture for a little while. Uh, now I call it Dragon Quest. Old school, you call it Dragon Warrior. Um, I don't know if you ever played the Dragon Warrior games. You can get them on emulators, and you can get them like. Um, I think I played a Dragon Warrior game on original Nintendo. Maybe. I have a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let me know when you're ready. Yeah, just give it a play. We'll listen for a few minutes, you know, seconds, and then, uh, and then I'll we'll stop it and I'll I'll talk a little bit about it. Okay. Okay, so what, here's what you hear. First, first of all, here's something that's, that's really interesting. I mean, in terms of the way that music is developed, that is a really complex sound, you know, um, where <laughs> those instruments right there are not actual live instruments. They sound like they are, but that's all computer produced. This, the, the Dragon Quest VIII soundtrack is all digital. Um, but the way that they do this now is they'll take real-life musicians, you know, human beings that deserve to get paid more than they do, they record their sounds, right, and then they just reproduce those with the computer. So it's it almost sounds like a real orchestra. In fact, uh, I used this soundtrack when I taught my class the last time, and I just, we just did a survey. I just played a few things, and I said, tell me if these are people or machines making this music. And you can hardly you, – you just can't tell the difference, um, or at least unless you're really listening for it. Okay, so the first sound you hear are what instruments? Uh, trumpets. Okay, trumpets so and, uh, bass drum. trumpets and drums. Right. So, what happens when you hear trumpets and drums? Like in, when you go back a thousand years, royal procession. Yeah. Okay. So, there's things dealing with royalty. There's things dealing with um, with the, the kind of hierarchical systems, old systems, old English systems, old um, Egyptian systems. You know, you're thinking of um, Roman times, maybe. You get this. This. So, it, it immediately takes us and it helps us suspend disbelief. You know, you, you're you like, ooh, something is happening, right? If the music were to start with, like, flutes and tambourine, I mean, it's going to be a complete – so you could play the same notes, right? But if it's flutes and tambourine, you're like, whoa, we're going to go back and do, like, a Renaissance dance in a pub or something. But this is, like, drama. It's <laughs> it's something important. I'm, I'm thinking Wind Waker now. Oh, God. what a <laughs> You know, we should have put some Zelda music on here. We, we don't have time to get to everything, but – um, but what I think what I'm going to talk about here in this in this hour, um, people can apply it to anything that they're that they're listening to, and you're going to hear trumpets and drums a lot in video games. And the reason is because there's this there's this ingrained Western uh, and Eastern historical context where when we hear that sound, we immediately understand a certain kind of an image. Okay, so this is an overture. So what's happening in this overture is there's this is the big fanfare introduction, and then they're going to start to introduce some themes uh from the game musical themes. And that's exactly what happens in opera there's always an overture because people come late right and believe it or not it, uh, if you look at music by Monteverdi which is some of the first opera music ever written uh one of his famous uh, opera overtures from uh an opera called Fail, which is one of the first operas it starts with the trumpets going da 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 da, etc. And actually what's happening there is if there's somebody royal who's attending, it'll be like, ooh, stand up, sir. You know, like the king gets to stand and the prince gets to stand. So it's it's ingrained in our history and it's ingrained in our DNA. When you hear trumpets and drums, it means something dramatic is gonna happen. And so you'll find so many uh, video game soundtracks will start one of two ways. They'll start with trumpets and drums, or they'll start with this really ethereal, distant, high string, you know, or voice sound. Like, so it, it's like you have to ask yourself: Is this game gonna set you up to be like, are you gonna be the hero that saves the world, or is it going to be a BioWare game where you know you're gonna barely survive uh, until until the very end? And usually that uh, that that plays into it. Uh, we'll listen to it just uh, just a little bit more, and then uh, and then I'll talk about it maybe a couple more things. This is interesting to you, like am I? Oh, doing? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I want to make sure I'm talking about the the stuff you want to hear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's click. What Ian was just commenting on. Well, and, they didn't hear me say. That. Oh, okay, uh, you know, there's there's connection in the whole series. So if you play the original Dragon Warrior games in Dragon Quest, they're still making them. They're, yeah. they're uh, in, in a lot of ways, the Dragon Quest games are are more wildly popular in Japan even than say Final Fantasy and some of the more American games. Um, you know these are these are big time games. I love these these games. And anybody listening, if you haven't played Dragon Quest Eight, you're you're doing it wrong. Like, <laughs> you, I mean it, it it it's just it's so good. It's so interesting. Um, that overture in different versions and and, and in different uh, reincarnations is the overture to all of the Dragon Quest games.
0: Well, that, that theme is the theme. Doesn't yeah, it? right.
1: So it gets oh, tied okay. it, it, like it gets tied into uh, it gets tied into your emotions. So if you have, and the same thing happens in other games. Same thing happens in, obviously, in trilogies. You know, you're going to hear the same music in the Mass Effect trilogy. But in Final Fantasy, you're going to hear the same hymn played through all the different games. So people that, people that buy into the system, people that are a part of that world, people that are in the know, okay, um, it, it's what we call esoteric knowledge. I mean, what esotericism is is like, if you are in the know, you get. It. If you're not in the know. You don't get it. It just—it might just sound like really cool music, but you don't really get that. Like, oh man, that's the same music I played in that other game, and then it gets you really excited about, you know, about what you're gonna do. And and you can listen to the the, the tempo of the music, the the way that they're playing, uh, and the way the composer kind of—they get you set up for something. Uh, exciting. So just to you know to get it connected to opera, and I and I think uh, if if I can go on on a side um, before we move into some some other things where we I'm going to actually play for you an an actual video game opera scene and talk about how this works a little bit more. Um, I know one of the things you've talked about and you shared some topics with me the last time I was I was on uh, the o show. Um, you know uh, violence in video games. Um, you know there's always this there's always um, this struggle between, like, is it going to be, um, is it going to be something that the government is going to try to take in more control over, less control of, and how does that work? I mean, for me, things like this need to be protected as works of art. So, for instance, you're not going to, well, at least within our constitution, you're not going to to shroud the voice of a music composer or a painter or a sculptor. Um, the same as you shouldn't be doing that. That you know, treating say creators of video games. Now that's real artistic video games. There are also completely bogus pieces of trash that are you know. But that's the same thing in any artistic medium. So I mean, you can go to Kmart and you can buy a a painting, um, or you can go to the Louvre and you can look at a Monet. You know. So I mean, this is not to compare Dragon Quest VIII to Monet, um, but it is certainly the Monet of you know, the gaming world, yeah. um, and so it, it it becomes frustrating when you hear, uh, or to me anyway, when I hear talk about um, c- governmental control uh, over content in games, because people are smart enough to figure out what their kids should be doing, and they're smart enough to, to know uh, what they should be doing, and their works of art. Or you would hope. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess that's, I mean, I know, it's true, I, I, you know, I've been to Walmart, I've seen people that you know, you question whether or not maybe they would make great choices, but they're, they still live in a free country, right? Yes. I mean, you know, and they're still protected by the First Amendment. So um, <laughs> just, it, it's an interest that's if we can go farther onto that. But, like, that's, that's another one of the premises for me with, with the music in the video game. Music is so powerful, and it enhances the experience so much, and it changes the experience so much that it creates emotional responses. Like, if you go with me back to ancient Greek times... Um, you know the Greeks believed that there were certain spheres and certain energies and pillars that controlled the universe, and one of those uh, was astronomy for instance, and music mm-hmm. and they had very specific laws and understandings about how music was and what you were allowed to do and not to do because they believed that music would control and I think it can control a person so deeply emotionally that it would ch- it would change who they were well that was that was Aristotle and his yeah. That, that was particularly
0: in his philosophy. Um, this is your thing. <laughs> this is kind of my thing, but this is actually mainly from um, uh, music history that I'm drawing this from because we talked about that. So Aristotle believed that um, music had the ability to affect the ethos, the person's soul, and so it had the ability to, if it was happy music, it had the ability to uplift that ethos, and if it was sad music, it had the ability to um, bring darkness to that ethos. And it was, it was Socrates that had said that uh, music is really important, though. They both argued it, though, for different reasons. Um, but like Socrates was saying that, um, or Plato and Socrates were saying that, uh, like, music and gymnastics, so music and, so the arts and um, being <laughs> being physically active were important and crucial to a healthy mind as well. But, uh, so they, they did, and I know I'm not really explaining it, how their beliefs differed that much, because I can't remember all of them off the top of my
1: head, but
3: well, it's okay, but
1: I mean the point is that it, it's a it's a it's a classic with a capital C. Yeah. it's it's Greek. It's ancient. You know, it's it's something that um, that people who believed in you know, and, and, and then you can get into like there's a lot of uh, very creative thought and belief that happened at that time. I mean there there's a lot of thought about uh, plurality of worlds, and I mean you know they, they were it was really deep thought that was going on. And I mean and music, it's like you can't look at it and see it. Like when when it, when music is being played, you can't pick out where it is. You know, it, it's in it's in the fiber of all of the the um, atoms that are you know right. vibrating. Um, so it really is a part of who we are. Like when when if I play a trumpet at you, it, it actually is taking your molecular structure and vibrating. You know, and so it's it's music is an incredibly personal uh, thing. So when you I mean, just if you play two seconds at the beginning of that again, I mean. The very tip of the top? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean anywhere, it doesn't matter. Like when you when you connect it with a feeling, just just go ahead and play it. So I mean, it it's so obvious that we are not currently at the deathbed of a grandmother Who you know, like it's it's like you you could ask a hundred people, what does this music mean? Where are we? And they're going to give you a hundred different answers, but they're all going to be roughly in the same category. You know, no one is going to sit there unless they're unless they're being ironic or you know, stupid to be stupid. Uh, they're going to say something having to do with the things that we talked about. You know, so and it's like and it's psychological. It's 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 in the we don't even think about it actively. But passively, it, it begins to control uh, yeah. what we're feeling.
0: Now, do you think that that has to do with um, it being sort of ingrained in who we are and how our minds work or based on how the the views and the values that society gives certain kinds of music uh, through sort of, I mean, ritualistically playing over and over again in mm-hmm. similar situations?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it, it's both. Um, you know, in my class, we, uh, we won't talk about some of this stuff today, but we talk – about chameleon techniques or um, masking techniques where composers will reach into a genre of music and pull out specific sound. Actually, we are going to talk just a little bit about it with the music from Okami, um, Mm -hmm. where they'll reach in and grab a really specific sound to create an an environment in someone's mind immediately. And it has to do with the scales they choose. Um, In fact, we could skip to that one right now so I can give you the example. So here's here's what you got before you play it. Okay? You have to close your eyes and you just sort of imagine uh, – I wish I hadn't said what game it's from. Um, you imagine what the world is, where it is, what do the characters look like, what are they wearing? Um, you know, What does the sky look like? What's the temperature? What's the season? It's like you close your eyes and try to imagine all of those things and see what the composer provides you. This is the music you hear when you start this, what, what I believe to be one of the greatest uh, games ever made. Um, so when you start it, this is the music that happens. Yeah. Okay? So good. Uh, what's your impression? Um,
0: well, there's a lot of movement. There's there's the, there's the driving beat, which I saw you tapping along with. Yeah. But there's also, uh, besides just the really strong beat that's playing continuously, there's also a lot of movement in between that. So it feels like we're going somewhere. It feels like we're on a journey. It's, it, there's a lot of sort of emotional tension, but it's positive tension because all of the music itself is in a major key for the most part. Yeah. Well, it's a pentatonic scale. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's a major pentatonic scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel I feel in many ways sort of hopeful, like I'm moving in the right direction. Like this this might be – th- this doesn't feel like it's quite at, like, the big bad guy scene, but close <laughs> to the big – no, no, no. It's yeah, that's, that's usually darker in the big yeah, battle, but it, yeah. it feels like it's right after you're – or right before you're about to go into that scene because it feels like it's building up to something. There's tension. There's movement.
1: It's – and where? Okay, so and, – and where are we? Like, what's the scene? What's the image? If, if you're going to put us on planet Earth, where are we?
0: Well, based on the instrumentation
1: to pass. Okay, and, 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 good. Okay, so fine. But, and, so based on the, it's like, based on that sound, you go, oh, I know where we are. You know, and you already said, uh, used a, you know, a $64 word, but the pentatonic scale, that five note scale, right, that immediately it, it, for whether it's good or bad, it does. It triggers in us this this image of what we you know think of originally as the Far East. You know, so so in this case it's Japanese, um, uh, and it just it's like instantaneously.
0: So for those of us who don't know what is a pentatonic scale,
1: yeah, just, it's five <laughs> notes. Uh, if you start, if you if you know what the note names are, you start on a piano, and you can go up the scale C on white notes D. In this case, E natural. So C D E, and then it skips. Uh, to G and A. And those those five notes together create, and all, all you have to do is sit down, if, if you want an easy pentatonic, major pentatonic scale, sit down at a piano and just start playing the black keys because the black keys are a major pentatonic scale. So you start playing those black keys on the, and, and you'll, it's like you'll, you immediately get drawn into, you're like, wow, I recognize what that sounds like. It sounds like Japanese music. Um, and now here's the truth about Japanese music. Japanese classical music doesn't sound like that anymore. Right, Japanese pop music. I mean, a lot of us know what Japanese pop music sounds like. It doesn't sound like that. Okay, so so this is this. It's like it's a very specific cultural icon. You know that the that the composer, in this case, a Japanese composer, uh, is is giving us. Now, and uh, Ian talked about the beats. Right, there's layers of beats. We'll listen to the beginning again in just a second. But um, specifically, the way what makes it. Um, stylistically, feel like there's something starting. It's a journey. It's uplifting. Is the there are complex layers going on. So if you listen to the melody, which the melody being the long, there are very long sustained, yeah, long sustained string notes and slower pitches melodically going along, right. And underneath that, you know, you have you have down kind of at the molecular level of the music, you have fast moving things. And then above that, you sort of have Slower moving pulses, and so by layering and stacking all of those those rhythms at the same time, it creates that that kinetic energy in a person. It makes it, it kind of gives it's like musical anxiety, you know. So it's it's like immediately after two measures, and after one measure of music, you hear mandolins, you hear strings, you hear Japanese percussion instruments, you hear a major pentatonic scale, and then you hear all of those rhythms going on. Like you could listen to one one measure of that music. And your disbelief is suspended. And it's like, dude, I'm in Japan. It's sunny out. And it's the fall. And it's exciting. And I'm a flaming dog. You know, like it just it becomes <laughs> it becomes this it becomes this. Uh this is from Okami, if there people are calling which I love that game. Like it's and when they remade it on the uh what should have been called the Nintendo Revolution, but ended up being called the uh, the Wii. Uh that was such so, so smart because you know, you, you get yeah. to, you get to like the, the mm-hmm. slashes instead and yeah. that's my experience with it. As I was telling Connor, it,
0: I, I have this issue where I've I've started playing the game on a few different occasions, mm-hmm. but it's during breaks, and so I have to stop after a little while, and then I when I come back to it, I forget where I was, so I start over from the beginning. But
1: yeah, it, it's so good, and I think you know it, it, we don't have the time. But in for instance, in my class when we talked about Mikami, we also then talked about the artwork. Because the artwork, like, and the way that the music and the artwork work together to create different kinds of emotions in people is completely fascinating. Like, it this game brought me to tears, like a, a couple of times, and and I think part of it is is not just because of the oral a u r a l so oral you know ear experience, but it's also because of the visual experience and the ways that those two things blend and the story. Get, oh, it's extraordinary story. I mean, it's so good. It's just so. Good. Again, if you haven't played this game, you're doing it wrong. Like, it's just, it's so good. And, uh, <laughs> you want to play just a little bit?
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, do you want me to start over from the beginning? No, just keep just going.
1: going. It, it, it's yeah. Okay. Now, if you can hear what's happening in here, it's we're starting to blend in. Elements of Western music right so you, you can start to hear Western instruments you can start to hear Western tonality you're starting to hear notes that aren't in the pentatonic scale. This is a very popular thing if you're, um, if you're into anime at all um, okay so um, this is a very this is a very um, uh, common thing that composers will do where they'll start with the you know Eastern sounds and then pull in the western sounds to create this um this kind of an image there's uh princess Mononoke, for instance that's mm-hmm. it, i mean the extraordinary experience i i talked i spent two days on princess Mononoke in this class and we watched the film uh talked about the music but like there's a there's an actual track on that soundtrack uh, of course now that i'm talking about it we don't have it it's okay but you can go find it listen to it called east and west and it of course a big part of that that move that film is there's a journey that's going on and, mm-hmm. and it has elements of east and west, and you hear it starts with shakuhachi flutes, um, and it, like, immediately, it, it, it encompasses this Japanese sound, and then slowly over time, it begins to switch to western instruments. So, now, what's happening in the film at that time is, like, the, the characters are just walking across the screen, and they're on this journey. There's no, most people watching the film aren't actively analyzing the music while it's playing, yeah. but what's going on subversively for them is the composer is 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 planting this Eastern sound. It's very in a way it's stereotypically Japanese because it's I mean you can't get more stereotypically Japanese than say like uh, shakuhachi and gong you know like that kind of Eastern sound and then all of a sudden it turns into Western instruments and it helps the listener kind of make this journey um so i mean this is going on here also which of course the whole premise of this game is you're on this you're on this long um journey so i mean and <laughs> uh, yeah spoilers um you want to go back to some some opera uh let, let's do the uh let's go into the final fantasy opera scene cuz i think this is really where at least the first time for me when my love of like my real love of symphonic music um and gaming, <laughs> those are, you know, uh, before I got married and had a, a daughter and all that. I mean, those those were my first two loves, like music uh, and and video games. Um, and uh, playing Final Fantasy VI is, and again, there, there probably are quite a few people listening that haven't experienced that game because I think people now think of it like a game that old people play, which makes me really sad because <laughs> I'm old. I guess I'm old. Um,
0: you're the one that's saying that, not us.
1: Well, yeah, but have you played it? Final Fantasy VI? Yeah. No. no okay, see, so... <laughs> thanks, Ian. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're holding me up. Well, maybe this will get some people interested. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get into the whole story of it, but um, okay. essentially what happens is there's an opera scene in the game. It's pretty famous now in terms of a, of a moment in, in gaming history. But I'll, I'm just going to walk you through this track. Um, as we go. So we'll stop as we're going and, and talk about some things. And the uh, the characters are uh, Maria uh, and Draco are the main characters. And there's going to be a third character that comes in. And you don't have to know anything about the game. You don't have to know anything about what's going on uh, to become immediately understanding of what's happening in the story. And it happens only through the music. Now, in the original, of course, it, it's uh, it's done through your Super Nintendo, so you know, the music is a little bit less complex. But Final Fantasy, similar to Zelda uh, and Nintendo, they've started these concert tours, like Video Games Live. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy has its own tour uh, where they distant, called Distant Worlds. I saw it live in Boston, and it was amazing. Like it, it, I would have so much rather, in some ways, gone to see Final Fantasy Distant Worlds than go and see a BSO concert. Which, as a musician, I feel like a blasphemer saying that, but, but here's the deal. Like it was incredibly entertaining. They, they're projecting the games over the orchestra. Everybody in the orchestra clearly understood what's going on. Cause I mean, they're, you know, they're getting paid peanuts to play video game music and they love doing it. Um, you know, and, and everyone in the hall, like Boston symphony hall, which I've been to many times cause I lived in Massachusetts. It, it was never full, right? If the BSO plays a concert, there's a lot of people there and they're one of the greatest orchestras in the world. They're amazing. But it, I had never been to a concert where you couldn't get a seat. Symphony Hall for Final Fantasy, uh, Distant Worlds was completely packed with people dressed like Moogles and <laughs> you know people dressed like Cloud. Um, if you know who that is, at least yeah, okay, God, the guy with the Buster Sword. The yes. yes, okay, Good. at least you know, <laughs> at least we're, we might be in different generations, but at least we can speak the same language. Okay, um, okay. do this, do, do the here. Oh,
0: I'll, I'll let you do that. So this will bring you over to the next. Oh over the next track, which will bring up that and then you can just hit pause once you're ready to
1: I I love that we're dealing with like computers and video games and I don't know what the hell is gonna happen when I push on that. Dude, what instruments are those? Horns. Trumpets (laughs) and drums right? Okay, so trumpets and drums. Trumpets and drums mean? Royalty. Military, Military royalty. Like, right, okay. So now something's happening, right? Actually, another character has just come on stage. You, you don't even have to be watching. it. And tell me about this character. Okay. she's pretty. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like you don't even you don't even you don't even have to see it, right? I mean, like, you know, clearly it's not like some hippopotamus-shaped, you know, hag, like. It's, it's very evident in the gracefulness of the strings and the way the, the linearity of the melody, you know, it's, it's not leapy, it's connected. Um, and so connected, well, and we're going to talk about that with a different theme later, so I'm not going to get into that now, but let's keep going. Okay, so composers often can give you clues. They're called leitmotifs, um, leit M-O-T-I-F, leitmotif. And all that really, it's a fancy music word of saying a musical theme that represents a character. But little leitmotifs can also represent parts of the story. So when you hear this music right here, you're hearing this, and then underneath you hear, so that that is an automatic musical uh, relation to conflict. Okay, you have two opposing ideas happening at the same time, but the composer separates them so the listener can actually hear both things, right? Because very rarely do characters sing at the same time in an opera. So the story has to unfold. So right now, this is the little overture. This is a little tiny mini overture to this maybe ten-minute opera scene. Uh, and so in this tiny little overture, the composer is has introduced you to the characters. Clearly, there's a, there's there's a military involvement, which there is. There's a beautiful woman, which there is. And there's conflict. Good. And then you get this suspended chord, right? So it's leaving you hanging, which is a very operatic – we call it Wagnerian in the talk of opera. That's a, a play on the composer Wagner. Um, but that Wagnerian idea of letting something hang and just float there, you know, it's, it's unresolved. And you'll hear that melody. Da, 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 dee, da, dee, da. Those dramatic leaps up mean romance, mm-hmm. okay? And, and that's historically for music. Maria, I just <laughs> met a girl named Maria. There's this leap of the tritone, right? Um, and in fact, Tony sings the word Maria like 50 times in that song because he's he's obsessed with her. Uh, so it, it's like Leonard Bernstein demonstrates this obsession for for Maria by repeating her name over and over and taking the melody and leaping. You know it's it's like you're reaching for her but you can't have her. Um so again it's subliminal but it's it's very much real.
0: So go ahead. So back to sort of the bardic tradition of talking about the unreachable woman. Oh, Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Right? Well, it, but it's I mean it's and again, this is, like, you know, we're gamers, right? I mean, so gamers play D&D, and they like pubs and dwarves and battle
2: axes. and
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, it, you know, it's why we spend all the money on it. People are smart. Like, the composer, this is Nobuo Uematsu, or Uematsu Z, who is probably the single greatest composer in the history of the video game world. Like, the way he defines... And, and controls his audience with, through drama of sound is extraordinary. It's on par with, I, again, I'm gonna say it out loud and, you know, my colleagues would laugh at me, but it's on par with Wagner. And he has a much bigger audience than Wagner, right? Because Wagner was only essentially for people that can go to opera. But Uematsu is for anybody that can play a video game, right? Any doofus that can turn on a An an N64 or a Super Nintendo or a PlayStation can experience this genre of art. And in many ways, it's much more meaningful to them than, say, Wagner, because I wish that people would understand that if – I think if we took a bunch of gaming uh, kids and took them to an opera, they they would like it.
0: Well, what I was saying is that it's – in a historical context, that (laughs) – I was at well asking if that came from sort of the bardic tradition what we talked about in music history is that bards one of their biggest themes that they would write songs about was talking about sort of like an unattainable love for a courtly woman sort of thing so is that the is that why the leap is there so that they have a reaching for
1: it? yeah, the you know the Rapunzel Rapunzel let down your hair i mean yeah. it it's that like the woman in the tower right because uh it's Shakespearean, Romeo and Juliet, and Juliet is is you know away, they're in different families, and they, you okay. um, know, yeah, absolutely, and I think, you know, the uh, that kind of bardic tradition, troubadours and trouvères, and, yeah. you know, the French countryside, um, I mean, that that sort of renaissance time, that, I mean, that's when gamers wish they could have lived, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they wish they could go back, and I think they think they would find dragons, but I don't think they would.
0: <laughs> and then they realize all the sanitary issues.
1: So. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I mean, the
3: plague, you know, What's that?
0: Speaking of, um, remember that they can't hear you when it's playing. So oh, excellent! Wanna, Hi there. If you want to talk when it's uh, when the music is playing, you uh, hold down the button on
1: that. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. That's okay. So let me just explain. So here you're hearing more of the romantic theme. Okay. So you have two characters on stage right now. On stage, by the way, I mean on screen. So um, you have Maria um, and, and uh, you have Draco, and and uh, it's it's so obvious that you know her, her melody is close together. Slow moving, it's linear. It's also in parallel thirds and sixths. And historically, going back to this bardic tradition, uh, French bards, um, troubadours, troubaires, if you would pair things in parallel sixths, it's called foberdon. And dun is this musical sexual innuendo. You know, there's there's a it's like when the man and the woman move in parallel sixths. Well, boom <laughs> <laughs> um, shakalaka. Um, so that's what's going on. Ian said it right when it happened. It's like, oh, new character. And there was that little transition that happened there where everything's awkward. Everything kind of happens at the same time. And it's because the characters finally encounter one another. And now there's going to be this interplay. And you'll notice that his first word... Is going and now, what's so cool about this is you get to hear it in with live musicians. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're watching it on Super Nintendo, it it has little word bubbles. So, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it was. I'll tell you what though, as a musician, it was still a really emotional experience for me when I first went through the opera scene in Final Fantasy VI. It was amazing, but it's much cooler with real with real people. Listen to what his first word. Oh, Maria. Okay, now he says Maria. So he's, he says, "Oh, Maria!" and he leaps down. Now, this is this is important because when a when a person is in a relationship and they leap up, it means one thing. But when they leap down, it means something else. So you can hear in that downward leap, there's this there's trouble, right? There's something there's something wrong, and it's it's obvious right away. So we don't. I, I know the story, but you don't have to know the story of the game to understand that. You know, someone's poisoned the water hole. Oh, and then he repeats it. So he does it two times in a row, exactly the same. So anytime we repeat something, it's for emphasis. It's for emphasis. You know, it's like you are driving home that this is something's wrong here. Like something's about to go oh, I call. So he's, he's longing to be with her, right? So there's clearly love from him to her, and they're not together right now. Even though they're both on screen, um, this it's similar to, like, a Mozartian quad lipid. Sorry. Um, uh, uh, do you know West Side Story? Mm-hmm. Okay, so West Side Story, for people listening that might not know many Mozart. Um, operas. Don Giovanni is a Mozart opera that has a famous quad lipid What a quad lipid is is when multiple things are happening on the same stage, but they're not aware of each other. Mm. So at the end of the first act of West Side Story, Maria is there, she's singing. Tony is there, he's singing. Officer Krupke is out there, he's singing, and they're all singing at the same time, but they all have no idea of like it's 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 like different worlds happening at the same time. So he is singing out, she's visible, and he's singing. I mean, what's going on? Who's here now? Sounds like there's a general. Yes! It's the general. I mean, and it's it's like I mean, it's so of course I and I've taught this lesson so many times now, but it's like it's I almost I laugh like I hear it now and it's so it's so obvious to me, you know. But uh, I I even did this with school kids once. Um, We were talking about video games and opera and, and music, and it's like they all know. They're like I don't know. It sounds like the army is coming, and it's like it does.
0: Well it's the 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 drum line from the marching in there with the steady beat the boom 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 which gives the yom, yom, oh, yom. and then the bands
1: got the pop so the third <laughs> character has come on stage okay so there's a third thing and again with opera it's it's it, it's a totally uninteresting story if there's a man and a woman it's a really interesting story if there's two men in a movie, <laughs> right because because then you have the alpha alpha drama that happens and then you have the you know the the protagonist female who Either can't choose between the two of them, like in Divergent, or you know, like there's always that, um, whether it's a dystopian world or it's a world like this, which is uh, a fantasy world, there, you can't just have like a boy and a girl, you know. Like Romeo and Juliet works really well, but it's, it's, it's this dramatic tragedy, you know, and there's other characters. If it was just Romeo and Juliet, they'd fall in love and live happily ever after because they love each other. So if if there wasn't anything wrong or anything in the way so somebody has to get in the way and it may as well be Very common, uh, what's going on here. So the characters are engaged in, uh, well, can you, what are they doing? It's opera. There's all different kinds and styles of music happening.
0: Well, right now it sounds sort of like she's by herself again. Um, Doesn't really sound anything too extraordinary, just like sort of daily regular
1: Yeah, they're 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 engaged and they're dancing. So there's um, there's movement going on in the music. This is just background um, music. Um, It looks like there was a question earlier about what I was talking about. I think that 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 track is actually called A Journey West, something like that. Well,
0: we can talk about that later.
1: Okay, hang on now. Let's see. Okay, let's keep going. So something happened right there. What just happened? What instrument came in? Piano. Piano. And I'll talk about this a little bit when we listen to a Final Fantasy VII track. When solo piano plays, we fall in love. Like, the solo piano is, it's like this instant cue for the heart. You know, that you're going to tug on the heartstrings. When a man loves a woman and he goes to her home to woo her, he doesn't play his harmonica for her. <laughs> right? I mean, like, he, he doesn't go and play his tuba. Like, he, you know, he goes, maybe he can, right? But I mean, think about it. I mean, you, you would sing, potentially. You'd sing. But if you're going to play an instrument, you play the piano. And the piano has this expressive range. And um, and so when you listen to the way this piano draws you in, uh, this is,
2: this gets really cool.
1: The piano comes in, and there's Maria, right? And she, she starts to sing. And she says, maybe you catch all the words, but she says, I'm the darkness, and you are, and the, star. you are the starlight. You know, and, and she's longing for him. So he's longing for her. She's longing for him. And there's someone who, you know, in the middle, like there's something going on here. Um, and obviously, this very romantic music, uh, but it, you can tell right away from, from the way that it's set and the way that, music is taking place that there's a love here right there's
3: there's a story
1: Oh, it's it, it's a great orchestra. So, did you catch what she said last? She a- it's okay. She asked for them to guide her anew. So, like that this is- one, okay. okay? And then immediately there's a key change. So it's like the comp- you know the composer's like, okay, let's go someplace different harmonically, and then it's going to keep. going. So from here it's going to keep going, and you'll hear the the uh, characters start to interact. Go ahead and say it. Well, I said it's a waltz. Yeah. So, right, and there's a dance scene, and there has to, and where's the dance taking place? Where, by the way, where's the scene? We haven't set the scene yet. But now you might know where it is. Like,
0: well, I'm assuming by the dance music, by the waltz, by the military stuff, we're somewhere in a castle. Yes. Probably the ballroom.
1: Yes. Right. It, so, so you're, you you get the. There's no picture, right? It's, but it's like the picture – It, the music creates the picture in your mind, which is, it's, it's how it has the psychological, emotional control us. And yeah, it's in a castle. In fact, that's where this opera takes place. And so um, here's this, it's like, all of a sudden it goes boom, chick, chick, boom, chick, chick, boom. So now there's what we might call opera buffa, which is like lighter, you know, more comic opera. This is dramatic opera, but it it has this lighter, this is a dance. You just like saying that word. Opera buffa, buffa.
0: Two guys just met. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's
1: right. Okay. So it's like all of a sudden, you know, the the oblique moment happens when there's this wonderful dance going on and the like I'm longing for your love and you're longing for my love and then suddenly, you know, this like yopopom. And, and now and now there's this you'll hear the music as we right? we refer to this as chase music. So it's it's a very specific jump uh, to get up 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 get William Tell overture. Yeah. You know the the reason there's that jump to get up to get up to get up to get up up to get up to get up to get up up that we we associate that with uh moving with with chasing so there's this uh the the antagonist has now met the protagonist mm-hmm. and there's now they haven't said anything yet, but there's you know something something has gone wrong and it's going yeah. to get worse i yeah go ahead.
0: the the waltz I don't know if he maybe drew on this for inspiration, but the waltz sounded a lot like um once upon a dream from uh Sleeping Beauty.
1: Yeah. And I can answer that for you. Um, The answer is yes. I mean, the Uematsu, uh, Uematsu Uematsu-san is, like I said before, the greatest. He is the greatest. And I think not only is he great at writing his own stuff, which he is, but he is also the master of what – it's a term I coined for this class. I call it chameleon, uh, you know, chameleoning music or masking um, because he takes other ideas – you know, uh, he can he, everything from from punk rock to um, to opera to a waltz to a, a fandango to and like, and he can just somehow he can write in that style so it sounds authentic and traditional. You know that it um, like it that's not a poorly written waltz; it's very okay. nice. But it, it um, it's the same thing John Williams does. If you're familiar with John Williams, right? John Williams gets the you know he gets the credit for all this great music. Um, if you, you know, Superman. Can you read my mind? That, that, that. Okay. Well, go listen to Richard Strauss' *Death and Transfiguration*, and fast forward it to the famous part when the whole orchestra in unison goes. <speaking>
3: in>
1: like he's just a—it's a blatant ripoff. And, and that's not to say that that that's something he does all of the time, but it is something that he has done. Okay, so th- there's a there's a connection there to how things that work really well work really well for a reason. So why try to you know why try to reinvent the wheel when you can grab onto something that's really great and then immediately draw a listener um, into that? So okay, let's keep going. <laughs>
0: Betrothed to the general.
1: Yes. Oh no! <laughs> Love triangle, right? So she loves she loves Draco, the tenor, and it, the tenor never goes home with the girl. Okay. So she, 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 I'm 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 living proof. Uh, so says the married man. Well, yeah. I mean, it worked in the end. It worked out for me. So the uh, you know she loves Draco. Draco loves her, but she is betrothed to
3: the, the evil military man.
1: You know, and and there's. That's it. It's such a common plot theme for yeah. an opera, um, and and it's it just makes perfect sense in here, which I think is why the designers decided to pull it into this scene because this opera scene actually flows right out of the game. It's like you're playing the game, and then all of a sudden, this this just very organically happens in the midst of what's going on.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's very interesting. And
0: So it's the light theme and then it's the alteration of the light theme. So bum 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 and the bum 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 bum. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you are a step ahead of me. So you can hear it, right? The yum bum bum and then the So yeah. that's the from the very beginning, that's the conflict. So that's the musical development of that conflicting moment. And that conflict exists between the two male characters who are now fighting and chasing each other around the stage. Right? Yeah. Um you know, because he, he says, You must choose, and so the tenor's like, I won! die before you go home with that person. So you know, um, you know. But yeah, like it, it. It. The music is what makes it happen. If this was happening without music, it would be two guys fighting over a girl, which I don't know. That happens in every dorm room, probably on this campus. Like it's just that. That's a normal part of life, right? It's like the the males have to kind of sort themselves out to compete over the females. But it becomes drama and art. When you incorporate the music at a really complex level, even if the listener isn't thinking about it at a complex level.
0: Catch what he said, but it sounded a lot like just by the music that the bad guy won, the bass one.
1: It's the opposite.
0: It's the opposite.
1: Okay. He says, he says, I admit this day is yours, Draco. You have won. I, you know, curse you if you let her go. So throughout this little battle scene. It has come out um, similarly to most video games, where you fight the end guy for like six and a half hours, and then somehow they're still alive at the end, just to like give you their parting words, <laughs> and then you know. Uh, but it's like I thought I killed you like 11 times, um, but he's still you know he's still alive. And he's like okay, you've won, but I'll be damned if you if you let her you know uh, out of your reach. Okay, so here we go to
3: the end. Oh, he's
0: Guy isn't that bad? He's only bad in that he's keeping you from it because, in the end, he still is like, okay.
1: You feel bad for him, right? Yeah. And you you don't feel bad you don't feel bad for him if the music isn't like that. And and it, you know and they're in parallel thirds, okay? So all of a sudden they're unified in their love for the same person. Mm-hmm. And the parallel thirds are descending, so it's like this.
3: La-dee-o, la-dee-o.
1: So it, it's this incredibly linear, connected, falling—you know—it's um, it's horribly sad. It is like I, you know, I I'm, I almost come to tears just like I remember what it felt like when I was like twelve, you know, and I was playing this thing, and um, and it's why I think now, like I'm so obsessed with sharing these things, especially with students, because I think they don't get like some people don't get that video games are actually they're extremely artistic, and from the musical standpoint, it like this this is worth. The time of study um, that many other kinds of music are, but it's poo-pooed. You know, like um, it—it's it, uh, great here because we have kind of a January term, like an exploratory thing, which is mm-hmm. this is perfect for that because it's very exploratory. But if I mean, if I were to propose that I would teach a video game music class within the context of a standard Western upbringing <laughs> of a you know a music student, that'd be that'd be ridiculous right, at this point. So um, anyway, you can hear the end. Piano, right? (laughs) Here she comes, the piano started. Me who are listening, trying to you know we're listening to study it at a deeper level. At the very end, right before it ends, there's what we call a plagal cadence, where maybe I can re- I can play for you, it, but it's going to sound like you're in church. Like all of a sudden, it's gonna it's gonna sound like an amen. Um, okay, the, the, like four a, one, right? Yeah, oh. like four to one. That's exactly right. And so instead of resolve, hmm. I mean instead of resolving. Um, it, it does resolve traditionally at the end. But right, like, you'll hear, it, 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 it's like there's this little amen moment where it that's a, that's a composer's way of pro- giving value to something uh, because it connects it to church. It connects it to faith, hmm. you know. So you, you can probably hear it if you really listen for it. If you go back and listen to it again on your own, right before the silence, which is also – I've never noticed that before. The next time I teach it, I'm going to bring that up Um, because it's like it doesn't actually resolve in the amen. But the plago cadence, that amen chord, happens right before that silence, Um, and then it it comes out to the end. I mean, That music in in and of itself – and again, if you haven't played Final Fantasy VI, um, it's extraordinary. It's like the the drama in it and the story. Of course, the graphics now are such that I suppose younger gamers may not be as interested in it. It's been redone, um, and it's pretty nice in the redone version. But it still is much less interesting, maybe, to play um, than the new Dragon Age games or something that have incredible graphics. And you know, um, but like just like musically, that is extraordinary music, and it it draws upon all of these different kinds of genres and contexts that. Um, that a person doesn't necessarily need to understand it, but when it's coming at them, they get, it's like they start to, you know, they feel the feels. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, and you don't even know why. I mean, you don't know I even, mean? you know, it's like we know nothing about these characters. You sit here in the chair, and when the music is done, you're like, man, that's, that's sad. You know, like you kind of want to cry. Um, and, and, and for me, when you've played the game, it, it, it just, it pulls you right, right back to that moment. You know, it's like you're 12 years old and your friends are all playing sports while you're sitting there and, you know, playing your game. Um, So, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's the, um, the final fantasy six. I don't have a lot of, a a lot of time left um, because I I ironically have to go game, Um, (laughs) but uh, you want to talk through these other two things real quick or, or do you want to do questions? And we've talked through that or how do you want to, how do you want to
0: do it? I've been enjoying just, (laughs) you <laughs> leaving really thing because there's been a lot of really cool
1: things. Going. Okay, well let's let's do these. Uh, look, let's do Earth's theme. Um, now this is this is more popular. Um, many many more people have played Final Fantasy VII than Final Fantasy VI, and I think that's because Final Fantasy VII was released on PlayStation, and so um, it has better you know the graphics are there. Um, so it's a little bit different uh, in that way, um, and I'm hoping that it. It gets remade for you know a next gen kind of thing, i i i would play it again um well it's it is
0: um you can buy it i don't think they've done too too much with it, uh, but you can buy it on steam, which is the main
1: yeah, you told me about that
0: that steam um here I'll look that up really quick uh after we're well while we're listening to that
1: oh yeah okay so 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 um let's let's we can take some things with Aerith's theme, and and we can. Uh, that we've already talked about, and you can learn a lot about um, about the character and and the way that I use this in the course is trying to describe who the character of Aerith is by listening to the music without knowing who the character really is um, so if you play the game, you have a sense for what's going on, but when you listen to it and you 'll hear some keys in it things that we 've already talked about um, in and maybe maybe you'll ca- uh, catch those things, but why don't we why don't we start? Uh, the, the recording. We'll just listen for a little while and see if you—it's like what you can pick up on who this character is just from listening to the music. <laughs> So, what do you know about her right away? Sorry, what do you know about the character right away? Male or female? Female. Extremely obvious. Okay, and, and what else do you know?
0: Uh, love interest because of the piano, as well as there's the leaves.
1: Absolutely. And, and and if you if you go back, we'll listen to the very beginning again. You know, the piano has 88 keys, right? And it has an incredible expressive quality. But to set up um, the sense of like the character being isolated and alone, and in the story again, spoilers, but. In this story, she, and you know, she, she dies alone. I mean, like, it, she has to sacrifice herself for the greater good. And, and in this instance, it's like the piano, when you listen to it, we'll listen to the beginning, it's, it's one note at a time in the high register. So it's like this isolated, single, female, I mean, you know, pianists can play all these different notes at the same time, right? But they, it, it's very, very, and I, I know this to be true because Uematsu is a genius, like it's absolutely intentional on the part of the composer to create a theme that that encapsulates what the character is about, and every time Eris is on stage or Aerith, however you know depending uh, every time she's on stage on on screen, that music plays it's her lightning team. so it, it's like the the listener the the gamer, the person who's related all of a sudden. She's there, and you hear the music. Now, this this track isn't from Final Fantasy VII exactly. It's actually from Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Mm-hmm. So it sounds better, which is you know it has a better sound quality. But in if you've seen the film Advent Children, uh, and uh, awesome. Which again, I I, I showed Advent Children uh, in my in my class, and we talked about about Eris. In fact, we kind of spent a week on using her as an example of how. Gaming and opera are so connected, and how she's kind of the, the pinnacle person um, for me in that in that gaming world. Uh, but it's like as soon as she comes on screen in the in the movie, and you're not even sure if she's going to be in the movie because she's dead, right? So, but of course she is. Spoiler: um, she's in the film. And as soon as she shows up, like as soon as you're you're pulled into the the church, the the, the kind of bombed out church where the flowers are, like as mm-hmm. soon as you see that, boom. Bing, bong, bong. You hear that theme, and then there she is. She's in a dream, actually. Uh, Cloud mm-hmm. is, is dreaming. And, yeah, and it's extraordinary. And, I mean, most people watching it, you know, they've, maybe they've played the game, maybe they haven't. They might not know that, but it's like if you've played the game, and, again, if it's esoteric. If you're in the know, like if you have that experience, that that turns on the floodgates, you know. And and uh, so that's really like do the very beginning
2: just so you kind of hear what I'm talking about. You'll hear. It. I mean, it's it's so obvious.
1: And and when you hear the theme, that's the whole theme right there. The first eight measures. It starts with the single lonely notes going up and the single lonely notes coming down. And what happens after that? It's just, it's this stasis. It's like this stationary hanging there. Bum, bum, beam. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, beam. Bum, 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 beam. Bum, bum, bum. So it, it's like he sets up loneliness. He sets up this suspension, this kind of long, you know. Um, it, it's, it, it, in eight measures, you know who that character is. Like by, and you don't have to know anything about music. You don't have to. I'm not a genius about this stuff. I've just thought about it a lot. But like, you know, when you when you really go deep and think about it, it it unlocks this world of like, I can't believe that. Oh my God, that's you know. But when you're just experiencing it, you're watching it, you're playing the game. You you somehow so psychologically, it's like you know who that character is, Um, and that music would sound a lot different. You know, the character would be set up a lot different if it was major, meaning sort of happy sounding. If it was, if it was played by electric guitars or if it was played by drum set, or, um, you know, when, when other uh, characters in Final Fantasy VII come on stage, they have different music. And and in this case, this is her, right? She, you're, there's a love interest there. It's clear that this isn't going to end well for her, based on how, like, if if this character is going to live to see the end of the show, it, her music isn't going to sound like that. You know, so there's there's something deeper and something really meaningful um, that goes that goes on there. So anyway, that's that's that one. Like you can kind of get a sense, like when you hear a leitmotif, when you hear the music of a character, um, then you then you can capture that. Now, well, there was one more I was going to talk about. I don't know what that is. Do you so have done. Oh yeah, okay. So this this one's going to be from your your generation. A bit. Um, <laughs> well, both for me and
0: Buck, that guy right there.
1: <laughs> um, I, I love Mass Effect. Uh, and uh, uh, Jack Wall is the composer. And it's – well, let's listen to a little bit of it. And, and again, this is, this is the same idea, but Mass Effect, of course, is in a completely different kind of uni- universe. I mean, it's in a totally different kind of world than, say, Final Fantasy or um, uh, uh, what else we, uh, Dragon Ball you know, which has the kind of, they're the kind of traditional gamer, let's throw a D20 and drink our Dwarven Ale, and, you know, that has that kind of, um, has that kind of tint on it. But Mass Effect is completely different. I mean, Mass Effect is a space opera. That's really what it is. (laughs) Um, And and again, it's like people, people would get on me for calling Mass Effect an opera. But, okay, opera. Wagner's pretty famous for writing operas. He never wrote just one. They always come in threes, or sevens, or, you know, the ring cycle. Like Mass Effect is a trilogy, so is uh, Dragon Age, for that matter, and like The Lord of the Rings, you know, it, it's the trilogy makes sense. There's this, oh, Lord. yeah, right. So so there's there's an incredibly complex plot. The music in Mass Effect never stops. You know, it's always there, and even though it's like a first-person shooter slash role-playing game, you know, it, it's kind of a it, it's a I, I love those games. I mean, they're so fun. Um, even though it's like that, it's still, it still has this operatic quality because, you know, you are the main character. You're building and shaping and crafting your character in a certain way. There's a hierarchy there. You know, and eventually, obviously, you become the top of the hierarchy in, in, in many ways. Um, there's a villain, you know, um, uh, Saren, in the first one. You know, there's, there's this, like, um, uber villain, and, and there's these different factions that do different things. Like, it's really complex, so it, it's it's very operatic in that way it it doesn't play like it's not mario you know like mario is not an opera right the the platforming games are not like this i mean what i'm talking about here are like real gamer games you know ga- like games that take you hours and hours and hours to complete you feel like you've experienced something that's different than a book right we and, and gamers know gaming is not like reading a book it's not the same it's not like watching a movie it's not the same i don't know how it isn't uh, or is but because you're interacting. It's, yeah, I mean, it, 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 right. Because like you make the world your own. Yes, like you, Even though even though someone has programmed what's going to happen when you push the button, <laughs> you know, like somebody already figured it out, it's not a surprise, but it's a surprise to us, you know, and we feel like we're in control. And when we trigger music, you know, when we walk through, if we're playing a game, and we walk through a door and new music starts in this new world, we feel like we did that. You know, it's like, whoa, that music's cool. And what what actually happens? It's it's usually not that cool. And it usually is. It takes the what's cool and just repeats it over and over and over and over and over. But the first instant you walk into that new world, the new part of the world, you're like, oh, sweet, yeah. You know, and and you go in, you get that you get that gamer response. Um, you don't have, I mean, you don't have that same kind of. Um, and I love to read, but you don't have that same kind of response with a book. It, it's a that's a very different kind of. Of, um, of 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 things. So I don't know where that's going, but I but I think with Mass Effect, different sounds, different universe, different world, different ideas, different kinds of music, but same principle. Okay, let's listen to. Um, I'm not even going to tell you where this is from. The Mass Effect of Mass Effect. There's a deceptive cadence there. <laughs> this is really something. Okay. Suspensive. Um all right. So what's go what are you, what do you hear? Where where are we? What's going on?
0: Um well it's it's massive. Everything is in sort of 2D rhythms except for or, okay, the majority of the stuff is in 2D rhythms, the entire string section. Um, except for maybe a couple of things plucking along up on top, and then like the, the flute trills are is in a giant um, 2D rhythmic, homorrhythmic. Movement, big, long movements, so it's, it's something that's expansive. Um, I Meanwhile, we just ended it on a deceptive cadence, so there's, <laughs> there's some tension right there. Um, because, well, things aren't actually resolving. It feels like it's about to resolve, but not quite, so in some ways that's a bit of a foreshadowing of a lot of the stuff that's going to happen.
2: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
1: No, it's, it, it, you're spot on. And, and it is massive, and the music in this is, is massive. It's, if you listen to the very opening chord, of Star Wars, you know the famous one. Okay, um, right after the the, fa- the Fox Fanfare, it's it's a B flat chord and it covers seven octaves of a B flat. So it's it's like it's just this massively tall, open sound, and it's it's now probably the most famous B flat chord in the history of Western music. Like when you hear the downbeat of Star Wars, or you know, if you hear the jump, 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 brr. If you don't hear Star Wars after that, you're disappointed, right? Like if if the music from a romantic comedy starts after that, you're like, oh dang, we're not watching Star Wars, god, you know. So I mean, it, it's it's powerful in 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 um in its in its expansive uh, uh, way, and it sets up this universal sound. Okay.
0: By uh, my, my my thinking of the the scene the theme has now been ruined. There's there's a version of it done on recorded. Yes, I've heard the recorded version.
1: It's amazing. Every time I hear that, oh, I'm just... That should be my theme song. <laughs> uh, now, here's some things I want to point out about Mass Effect. Mass Effect is going for an image. And the composer, like the team that wrote the game, and the, com- the composers, there's a team of composers that wrote the music. You know, I, they're, they're trying to pull us into a world that looks a very specific way. And it has qualities to it. Like to me, it has a retro quality to it. Like it, it, like, even just looking at the imagery that's on the screen right there. Like it uses lots of blues and oranges. You know, it doesn't use a lot of cool, um, uh, what we would consider to be natural colors. You know, like when you when you look at the imagery in the game, the the architecture is very it's white um, and it's very stark and very um, um, uh, void of of color and void of, I'm hearing a sound. Some. Um, someone's mic is on. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> Good job, Buck. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's void of, uh, uh, it's sanitized. I don't if you can think of like when you're walking around the Citadel, when you're, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it, and all the different worlds have slightly different things, but really it's, they're very barren and very, you're isolated and the, the space is huge, um, around you. and, I think in order to get that image, the composers are drawing upon some some really interesting musical things the The sounds they're using uh, and'll we'll, maybe we'll listen to some of this, this again. you hear these like really weird old school keyboard choir sounds like it, it sounds that look, if they wanted a real choir, they could do it. if they wanted something that sounded like the real human voice, they could have done it. but they chose this like this spooky eerie, What? what I, the only thing I can think about it is like I had a keyboard in the late 80s that made that sound. You know, where it said, it, you push the button that said voices on it, and you, you play it and you're like, wow! It sounds like, you know, but yeah, if, you'll, <laughs> but you'll hear it. It's, it, it's like these long, sustained chords. There's, there's a really, fa- they're, you know, uh, they're redoing um, um, on Fox, uh, uh, X-Files. You know about that? No, I'm not, okay. Now, I was a big X-Files fan. Um, that was back back in my day. And the X-Files theme, the music from the X-Files was very famous. Okay. That was so, a theremin, right? Well, here's, here's, here's where it actually happened. So they, they had, I mean, he had, you know, he's going to write the theme song for a very famous TV show that lasted for seasons. See, they have plenty of budget. He can do anything he wants to write the music. Basically, it started by him whistling into his microphone on his computer, and the sound that came back was just super spooky, like it was weird. And, and they were like, yeah, I like that. You know, so it's like they're using a kind of a retro sound, and then eventually they, you know, they kind of modernized that sound to create what they wanted. Um, but it's like they're using this retro sound to create this spooky image because the, you know, Mulder and Scully are the peons of the FBI. You know, it's like, yeah, you go talk about your ghosts and aliens. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, and so it's it's like it gives it this low budget feeling. Well, to me anyway, with this, it's like they're looking for retro. So it's like this it's like this futuristic past sound. You know, it, it almost sounds like futuristic 1970s to me, or like early 1980s. This jump uh, bump 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 deep bump We would in music, like in, in the study music, we refer to that idea as something that's minimal. So they take minimal music, meaning they take a tiny amount of material and just use it and repeat it and develop it. There's all the way through the mass effect soundtrack, track after track, after track. It's like a, it's like an exercise in minimalism. And what that does to a listener is it like, it creates this like trippy LSD kind of like, whoa, man, yeah, weird. You know, don't do drugs. Um, <laughs> this very, I don't condone that at all. Um, but like, but do you know what I mean by yeah. that? Like it, it and and I can't describe it, I, I, I might not be the best person to be teaching about it either because I, I don't have the words for it, but like, somehow that music encapsulates what the image of the game is, which is it's it's not Star Trek, it's not Star Wars, it's its own space opera universe. It's not Firefly, it's not Battlestar Galactica. Like, it, it, somehow they managed to create a universe that's its own uh, for, for Mass Effect, and I think that's what makes it so powerful. Like, when you're in the Mass Effect games, you know you're in Mass Effect. You don't confuse it with other kinds of space odysseys that that um, that, that we've been on. I, I find that to be pretty impressive. Um, you know, And I think it's part of the reason why so many people love those games, uh, especially the first one and the third one. Uh, you were going to say something.
0: Uh, well, just a lot of things um, that you've been talking about is, like, Mass Effect seems to be in itself a game of... Well, obviously it's a game of conflict, but just itty bitty mini conflicts all over the place. Like even just this image here you were talking about, the orange and the blue, those are at opposite ends of the color wheel and instantly make a um are sort of fighting for your attention in the eye, but like so there's the paragon versus the renegade, there's there's what is supposedly the ultimate good, which is Shepard, and the fate of all the universe versus the ultimate evil, which is everything that's trying to destroy the universe. So it's the preservation of life. Um so it's a game of sort of stark differences fighting together uh, to try and find a middle ground. So I think that might be sort of what you're going for
1: there. Wait, yeah, that's actually – I'm going to steal that. Um, no, I think, I think that's, that's exactly right. And with the, you know, with the imagery, um, that contrast, it, 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 if it exists in the music, then it's, it, it, it's just enhanced that much farther. When you look at, at other games – uh, if you take Dragon Quest, in, you know we've, something we talked before. Bright, mm-hmm. beautiful colors, you know, greens and blues and reds, and you know, very um, a full, a very full palette. Um, uh, and this okay. is the opposite of that. That's right. That's
0: that's what I, else that I was going to say. You also talked about uh, like the artwork in Okami, mm-hmm. and so this you were talking about how like there's also uh, with the architecture it 's very stark white, and there 's just little splashes of color here and there, which is also very i 'm um, not sure if it harkens back to but it 's very similar to uh, the the art style that was used in traditional Japanese painting, where it was uh, outlines very flowy outlines, mind you, but outlines that was that were drawn in just black and white, and then there were touches of color used very sparingly just to highlight certain things mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's it, uh, yeah absolutely. And and it's what I think harkens back to the fundamental purpose for me of trying to design. I only get to teach this course basically every four years. Really, now is is how I get to do it. Um, but I'm still really excited about it because I think there's art in games. Not in every game. There are, like I said, there are many games that are just schlocky garbage. Um, like there isn't anything. Books. You know, you walk into Quick Trip or you know the Seven Eleven. That's not where you're going to buy books that you're going to teach in your American Lit class, right? <laughs> right. You know, that's where you're, you're, <laughs> you're going to find a Harlequin uh, romance novel or something, right? The kind of trashy <sighs> kind of thing. <sighs> where if, if you, you know, if you, right? But think about it. Like, <laughs> and, and some, if you want, I mean, anybody can walk into Best Buy and buy Madden football, right? Those people aren't gamers necessarily. Now they're playing video games, but really what they're doing is playing Madden, which I play. I play with my brother. I love Madden. But that's not gaming. Like here, like gaming. Um, when you're talking about something, Bethesda, Bioware, you know, something that that is, Square-y. you know, Square. I mean, something that's thought out and, and and plotted out over time. And there's God knows how many hours they put into designing the stories because the you know the truth is the people that create and design those games love to game, mm-hmm. um, and and it's something that that's meaningful to them. So I think in something like Mass Effect, it's art. And, it, and with the music especially, the, the composers are keen to what they want to be doing in order to make the thing go. Um, if you're playing some other game that maybe is just, you know, low budget, not, a, not you know, it's schlocky, um, it, they're not, they might just have, like, a couple of tracks and they play them and it's not a big deal. You're just going to shoot stuff. Um, but that's not at all what this is. So That's really, that's kind of what I have. That was longer than I thought it would be. In a, in a nutshell, and you can apply this stuff to anything. It, so the real problem, I still I get emails from students that took this class for me in 2009 uh, that are like, man, it was such a great class, but I can't stop like, listening to music that way now, and it drives me crazy. Um, you know, Somebody did a, did a presentation in that. Uh, we did final presentations. They all got to choose their own video game or their own film uh, to study music from. And that was the year that was a big year for films because Batman begins came that was a big one and uh, so this young lady she studied um, that music, and you know the joker's a big a big deal and uh and the the music in there she discovered this i had no i mean it was amazing to listen to it. She played the joker's theme from it, and it sounds like this weird it's just it sounds like weird scratchy noise. Like, it sounds like noise. It doesn't sound like music. So, insanity. Turns out, here's what it is. Turns out, they had people play, they would buy, they bought cheap violins, and the violinist took razor blades and played the strings with razor blades. Which, of course, Harkin, and, and the Joker, all through that film, uses razor blades, right? I mean, and then he's got the smile. And, and it was, like, I remember her presenting on it, and she was so proud that she had, you know, discovered that. I had, like, chills. I'm like, 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 that's why I study this stuff. You know, it's like, because, you know, I watched that movie. I didn't know that. But I know that when I see the Joker, and when I saw that that Joker, right, in that film, I was uncomfortable. Like, I didn't want to see what was going to happen, because I thought, you know, it's like, please don't cut someone open with a razor blade. Um, But, like, that kind of detail, that's what separates art from you know, the latest Ninja Turtles movie, which is like, let's blow some more stuff up. Uh um, like yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like shock, <laughs> you know. It's, it's like please leave the good things alone. Um, you know so anyhow, that, that um, that's that I should I should I, I have a date to play uh Borderlands tonight, so I need to uh, I need to hit the road. But uh, this is always fun. And if you ever yeah. want to do this again, man, I'll, I, I I could bring in like a hundred different tracks, and so we could just talk music because that's it, like my that's my my jam. It's the people of your generation sing? Do you still say that? That's no. my jam. No, well, hey, I don't personally. we no, say people. it
4: ironically sometimes.
1: <laughs> I don't even know who that guy is, but he's funny. That's my yeah. best friend. <laughs> oh yeah,
4: yeah. So I, I, oddly enough, we have a Borderlands date as well, Ian and I. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have, outstanding. <laughs> I have a couple of comments, um, based on based on what I've heard. I so I have like the least musical background that I possibly could, you know. But I I just have like a great appreciation for it. I love listening to music, and um, so I was thinking like the the thing that I can really associate with is the different instruments giving you a different context, like what Ian was talking about with you know the Japanese instruments giving, telling you where it is, um, the tr- the trumpets and everything the human voice though can really be used in any context like obviously the the opera singers sound very different from like the uh the chanting for the uh the dragonborn in Skyrim or um or whatever so like i don't know do you have anything that could elaborate more on on yeah. that than what i said
1: yeah, yeah 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 um like in um you know the opening scene to halo if you know halo um, oh yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, here's here's the thing. So what that is, so that's that's like monk old school chanting. And so that when you hear chant voices like uh, the Dragonborn uh, sounds, those chants pull you back, you know, into this like Gothic cathedral. There's there's monks. It's old. There's history. You know, it's like it's. Um, I can't, I can't maybe describe it quite exactly what I'm looking for, but the imagery that you get with that kind of singing, that kind of old singing, that the the uh, Gregorian is what we would call it, but that that's a weird term. Uh, but that kind of monkish um, old singing pulls you into, uh, you know, obviously there's depth and history, and there's some kind of old struggle uh, going on. Whereas those opera singers. It, that's very individualistic so um maria and and the military officer and draco they all have their own individual voice they're all speaking for themselves um you know that that's a very kind of independent um sort of thing so like the when you hear big groups of voices like the choral music uh, like in Star Wars, you know, the, the new Star Wars films. Uh, mm, yes. You know? Yeah, it's battle, like... Battle of the Fates or... Yeah, 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 dual, dual, uh, dual yes, fates. Yeah, dual fates. That's the yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that, 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 it's like, okay, there's a big army, you know, where it's going to be this big epic battle. Um, there's not some soloist who's, who's, you know, rising to the top and singing by themselves. I think when you hear the solo independent voice, um, like in that opera scene then it becomes really personal. Um, you know, I don't think, when you hear the opening to Halo, you just, it's like, it's this kind of epic, universal feeling. Um, mm-hmm. There's a composer named Bruckner, um, who referred to that, and Mahler also, uh, Gustav Mahler, referred to that as the ur meaning, like, they would take this kind of unified, distant sound, and that sound becomes imagery. its It's actually the opposite of independent. You know, mm-hmm. it's like... It's dependent, and uh, so when you have the individual voice, then it's like it's it's super personal. It it's like you're connected and relating to you know one one character. I mean that like that's why I think the human voice is such a powerful tool in music because that's we all we all have one. You know it, it's it's what all the instruments are emulating. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a long answer, but I don't know if that helps. But, yeah. Well, oh, it, definitely, definitely. I mean, as
0: he was saying, the, I kind of I kind of think the big point was that the majority of instruments are trying to emulate the human voice in some way or another. And so sort except of Except for razor blades. Except for razor blades. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. Well that was done for dramatic effect. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely something to be said about how each one mimics the voice in its own unique way. Uh, but all in all it is the variety that we get in the different instruments comes from different ways to try and mimic different parts of the voice. So mm-hmm. that's sort of what that's utilizing a lot. Um, And, I mean, one of my favorite examples of just instruments being um, used for characters themselves. Uh, It's not actually part of a video game, but it was, I think it might have been on the original Fantasia. I'm not 100% sure. No, it was its own movie. Um, There's a piece called Peter and the Wolf. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember who that was by? Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky, okay. Where it's... it's, is Is it Prokofiev? I think it's Prokofiev. Maybe we can look that up later, Ryan. Seriously. <laughs> Ryan, go ahead and look that up later. Uh, it's called Peter and the Wolf. Um, and each of the different characters in that has different uh,
4: different instruments associated with it. So, like, the, the duck is the clarinet and... Somebody was an oboe. I remember that distinctly. Yeah. Oboe
0: and bassoon and trumpets all had their own voices and all had their own characters. So, it's... Yes. Prokofiev, Prokofiev. Prokofiev, okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Czech didn't sound right, but I knew it was Russian. So there's a lot of mimicking of human voices in there, but there's also definitely something to be said about the different ways that the instruments mimic those voices, set them apart, because they're mimicking different parts of the voices, and that's how we can get the different characters and stuff like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you for coming. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah, anytime that my anytime my wife is gone, I, <laughs> I can I can uh, I can come and do this anytime. So. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm gonna go blow stuff up. Oh, I I was gonna show you one thing. About, oh, okay.
0: What What did it have to do with it? Um. This doesn't necessarily have to be on the TED. This can be on the fridge of the TED. So let's let's sign well, off.
4: So, so before we sign off, yeah, uh, Ryan wants us to tell where where everybody can find you on the internet. So like if if you have a, a Twitter handle or you know a blog or something where you, yep. you know, say uh, stuff.
1: I I I am a very uninteresting follow on Twitter at uh, at jpmgwo. So that's me. Uh, that's that's about what I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, now you have something to direct
4: people to every now and then as well.
1: Yeah, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it. I'll just listen to myself. <laughs> you know? I'm
4: interesting. You'll be shocked at what you sound like.
1: Oh, yeah. It, oh, God. Maybe I won't.
4: I mean, I am always. And it's,
0: it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just different. Yeah. As you've been talking about this whole year, different isn't always bad.
1: It's, it's just not, different. It's just different. That's right. Yeah. Story of my wow. life this year. Yeah. I mean, taking over for Doug Nimmo at Gustavus is, it, it has felt a little bit like taking over for Santa Claus on Christmas. You know, it's like yeah. you, 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 you're still giving out all the presents, you know, but it, just no one likes how you're doing. So, so Jack's going. I don't even know who that is. Uh, nightmare uh, Christmas. Oh, yeah. That, oh, okay, that was a <laughs> really good note. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, all right. Sorry, all right, man. man. Thank you
0: very much for listening. Uh, I'm Ian Decker, and the guy who is doing all the talking on this show, I'm
4: JPM, signing off.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of TED. You can find the show notes at thenexus.tv slash ted2, and you can listen to The Fringe at thenexus.tv slash tf292. Be sure to
2: tweet our guest, JPM, on Twitter at JPMGWO. Have a good one.